Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you this morning about what a wonderful life. That is the title of my message this morning. Our opening text is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. This is something that Paul said, inspired by the Spirit of God. Notice these eight words. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. That could be a Christmas carol right there. Thanks be unto God for what reason? For His unspeakable gift. We'll get to that in just a moment. What a wonderful life. I'm not talking about George Bailey and how he gave up his lofty ambitions. For what reason? To stop Mr. Potter from taking over Bedford Falls completely. I'm not talking to you this morning about Clarence, the guardian angel, who fell from heaven to the earth. For what reason? To stop George Bailey from committing suicide and show him what the world would be like had he never been born. It's not what I'm talking to you about. Uh, If he gets his wings or not, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. But I want to talk to you about the most wonderful person ever born. And the most wonderful life that has ever lived on this planet. As a matter of fact, it's so wonderful. What did Paul say? It's unspeakable, which means it's beyond words. He's the gift beyond words that cannot be expressed, cannot be described, cannot be articulated. Jesus is that wonderful. We don't have words in our language to describe him, to express him, to articulate who he is and what he's done for us in this world. And I'm going to give you four quick reasons why he's the gift that's unspeakable. Number one, unspeakable in nature. The nature of his birth. For example, we see in John chapter 1, verse 14, that popular verse. Of course, it's backed up by the prior verses that say in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, right? All things were made by him. Without him was not made. Anything that was made in him was life, and the life was a lot of men. And then the Word, the second person of deity, was made flesh. Can you describe that? Can you express that? It's unutterable. And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And briefly, the best way I could describe that to somebody who might be, let's say, a non-believer or a skeptic, or even an agnostic, I could say it this way, in an illustration. There is this particular guy, married, few children, His wife and children were going off to the Christmas Eve service while he was sitting in his easy chair reading his newspaper by a warm fire on a cold winter night. His wife said, are you sure you want to come with us to celebrate Christmas? And he said, for the last time, no. You know, I don't believe in that God becoming a man stuff. But you go ahead with the children and I'll see you when you get back home. And so they left. He's sitting in his easy chair when all of a sudden he hears striking against his window pane 
birds trying to get in to get some warmth and get out of the cold. One dies, the next one dies. Finally, he's a bird lover, he's an animal lover, he's an activist. He puts on his coat, he runs outside, and he goes up by the window, and he sees a flock of birds that are up there, and one after another, they're hitting his window because they're looking for shelter, they're looking for warmth and safety. And so, he finally realizes, if I just open up my garage door that's heated, the garage is heated, I can direct them to go in and find safety and shelter. And so he tries, he opens up the door, and he's trying to direct them to go in and direct them to go in, but to no avail. All his efforts failed. Finally, he just stands there looking, he goes, what can I do? Man, if I could just become a bird, he said, I can lead them into safety. And at that moment, the church bells ring. And he stops, and he thinks, and he says, I see it now. I can't become a bird, but you can become a man. And he fell to his knees. And he said, I'm sorry for doubting you. You see, that's the incarnation. God became a man, a part of his creation. It's, it's once again, unspeakable. It's beyond our comprehension. We can't wrap our brains around it. But you know what? He made us in such a way that He could inhabit the human body. And He did in the person of His Son. Number two is inexpressible love. It's love that cannot be expressed, described, articulated, uttered. John 3.16 God so loved the world. What was the motivation behind Him giving Himself in the person of His Son? Love beyond comprehension. Beyond description expression, articulation. Number three, sacrifice. It's inexpressible. It cannot be described with regard to the sacrifice. This is why it's unspeakable. You know, John 15, 13, Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Well, he did that. And that's what he set out to do when he left the glory world behind. But in Hebrews 2, in verse 9, we have this revelation that should cause every single one of us to bow on our faces before the throne that he sits upon. It says, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I've got two tables set up here for you. On this one, I've got the donuts that you didn't have this morning. I've got some pizza. I've got some lasagna and some turkey and some prime rib. And, 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 and over here, I've got death. Which would you prefer to taste? I wouldn't want the table of death, would you? But are you ready for this? The reason why it's so inexpressible, we can't articulate it. It's so unspeakable is because the death we're talking about is the death he suffered when he entered the bowels of the earth and took upon himself the wrath that you and I should have tasted, but we didn't taste it because he tasted it for us, for you and for me. Every single one of us, he tasted it for you so you would not have to taste it for yourself. Oh, hallelujah. Can you say thank you, Lord? So if anybody tastes it, it's not his fault. 
They don't have to. And the fourth one is the results. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, the results. It's amazing. It's inexpressible. It's indescribable. It's unspeakable. We can't articulate it. Why? Because look at the results of his sacrifice and of his coming. But even though we were dead in sin and trespasses and all that, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, you talk about the results. These are the results. He pulled us up out of the kingdom of darkness. He ripped our roots out of the miry clay. And he placed us in his kingdom where he gave us his righteousness. He gave us sonship and heirship. We have an inheritance. He made us to sit together with him in high places. Can you say amen? Man, I don't know what that does for you. It's unspeakable. It's unthinkable. And look at Romans 8. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Look at 1 Peter, first of all, 1 and verse 8. Notice we said it's unspeakable, right? Well, let me show you that it is. Whom having not seen, talking about Jesus, you love. Do you love him this morning? Okay. In whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with what? Joy what? Joy what? It's unspeakable. You can't express it. You can't utter it. You can't describe it. You cannot articulate it. When I got saved, that exactly is what happened to me. Why? Because it's full of glory. And that glory on the inside, it was so inexpressible. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't describe it. But I would let people know, thank God, I know I'm saved. I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to glory. I know that. It's inexpressible. Oh, did you have that same experience? Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for this gift. And look at Romans 8.32 because he's not done. Why is this so inexpressible? He that spared not his son, his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us a few more things? A little bit more? How many things? All things. Oh, can somebody praise him with me this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the new, the new birth, for the baptism of the Spirit. And the list goes on and on. All things belong to us in Christ. Now, I want you to see a verse in John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 22. Keeping with our theme, look at this scripture. And look at the first few words, the first five. If I had not come. Stop just for a moment. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. Well, why not? Well, because he came. But notice those first five words. If I had not come. Have you ever stopped to think about what the world would be like today if he had not come? Let's look at it superficially. Okay? No Christmas trees. No lit up neighborhoods, right? No gift giving. Sorry, ladies, no Black Friday. No Charlie Brown's Christmas. And the list goes on and on and on. That's a part of our culture right now, is it not? But then what about civilization? What about the arts? Would there be a Last Supper? By Da Vinci? 
Will there be a prodigal son by Rembrandt? It wouldn't exist because his influence wouldn't be here. Well, then what about the, the next? Just not just civilization, but what about literature? Think about literature and how much literature talks about Christ and his influence in society. Think about that. Think about music and just remove him from all music. His influence taken away. And what about benevolent institutions that exist because of him? And what about no teaching of the golden rule? No sermon on the mount. No teaching on love your neighbor as yourself and even love your enemies. No teaching on, let's say, social equality that Jesus brought to the earth and presented. Eliminate that. But then look at the next group. Spiritually speaking, we're talking about if Christ was never born. Not George Bailey. I mean, George Bailey had a hard time. You realize it. When he went back to Bedford Falls and realized it was Pottersville, Potterstown, Pottersville. Mm -hmm. Well, he was just beside himself, was he not? Nothing was right. Well, imagine a Christless society, even from a spiritual perspective. Number one, the world would still be in darkness. And think about how deep that darkness may be by, about right now. Go back to the days of Noah and how dark it was then. God had to correct things with a flood just to save humanity, did he not? To bring the righteous line into the world. But think about how dark it would be right now if it were not for the influence of Christ. Think about number two. The Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic law would not be fulfilled. Can you still imagine right now uh, going into the synagogues? You, you have to be a proselyte because we're Gentiles. And, and, and then just follow the, all the rituals, uh, offering the sacrifices and, and the feast days and all that. Can you imagine that going on right now? To be honest with you, if Judaism would even exist. Of course, we know that it would only because of Jesus. Only because of God, you know, maintaining it. But you talk about darkness. And what about this? No gospel to believe in. No gospel to preach whatsoever. It wouldn't exist. Right? If Christ wasn't born. Okay. And then, let's just read these. Then there'd be no Savior from sin. No reconciliation between God and man. No access to the throne. No blood to pay our ransom. No death. I'm sorry, death would not be abolished. The works of the devil would not be destroyed. The spirit would not have been sent. And there would be no hope beyond the grave. Imagine that. Imagine all those things. Hard to imagine, isn't it? But like I said, just look at George Bailey. And you can see just by his one life, one influence, all the things that possibly could not have been or would have been only because he wasn't here or wasn't born. If Jesus wasn't, and that's just a small list. But you know what? I've got some good for, news for you. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, But the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And then in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we are told, Unto us a child is given. Unto us. A, son, a child is born, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace, right? That was prophesied 700 years before Luke 2 says these words. 700 years. Think about that. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you glad good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The good news is that Jesus was born. Hallelujah. And Jesus did live. And just like George Bailey was born and George Bailey did his thing, he had to make some sacrifices, he had to give up his own ambitions and that sort of thing. Well, Jesus left the glory world behind because he saw our dilemma. He didn't want the devil taking over the world and taking over his creation and taking over you and your children and your children's children any longer. He couldn't tolerate that anymore. So he came into this world and when he did, he said, sacrifice and burn offering. You would have not, but you made a body for me to go and do your will. I'm glad to do your will, O oh God. So he was born 2,000 years ago into this realm in which we live. So let's look at it superficially. Because he was born 2,000 years ago, guess what? We have right now Christmas trees that are boasting bulbs and all kinds of other decorations. Why? We start this, I used to think after Thanksgiving, but we start this before Thanksgiving right now. It seems like it gets earlier and earlier. Pretty soon it'll be in June. But we start this. Why? What's the whole motive behind this? What's the whole purpose of this? Can you imagine this? What's so special about this one baby that was born? That he's got to get all this attention on the earth. I know in our culture the people don't know what they're doing. They think they're making their money because it's the season. You know, it's the, the Black Friday season. They've got to make their money to stand for the rest of the year. Well, guess what? Whether they have an understanding of what they're doing or whether they don't, Christ is being preached. Christ is being preached in our society. I read an article by Andrew Womack, and he said at one time he thought in his life that it was not right to, to celebrate Christmas. He said, but then I sat back and I thought about it, and I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hearts are ripe, and hearts are ready. What a time to really communicate Jesus to people. People are tender right now. Superficially, trees are lit up. Superficially, what else is going on? We have gifts that are exchanged, do we not? We've got Black Friday, do we not? We've got neighborhoods with lights galore. I mean, just drive in the evening time and start finding out after Thanksgiving, all these lights are going up and before Christmas actually comes here. I mean, cities are lit up. Communities are lit up, right? All for what reason? Oh, some of them might think it's a holiday. Well, what holiday is it? It's the birth of the Savior who came as the light of the world and he came 2,000 years ago to give his life for all of us and we've taken notice and we're going to broadcast it from the mountaintops. Hallelujah. And there is a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Right? And guess what else? It affects our, How does it affect our civilization? We do have the Last Supper. By Da Vinci. 
a beautiful painting, do we not? We do have the prodigal son by Rembrandt, do we not? And oh, can I even talk to you about literature? Oh, you're ready for it? He's so amazing. He's so unspeakable that we're told if everything he did on the planet was recorded in a book somewhere, the universe could not contain the books that should be written about him. He's influenced men like Longfellow, like Brownie, we were writers and poets and that sort of thing. But imagine if you took from all literary works the consciousness of Christ and his influence, there'd be a lot of empty pages in our society, in our libraries and so on, would there not? And should I even talk about music? Yeah, let's talk about music just for a moment. Who else would influence someone to write such a song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And I know, I tell you that I know, he holds my future. And my life is worth living just because he lives. Oh, hallelujah. Who else do you sing that about? You talk about all the songs that retell his birth, that retell all who he, the wonders of his person. What about this one? Horatio Spafford. What about the fact he lost four daughters in the ocean when they drowned, when the, their ship sunk to the bottom of the ocean? And he loses these four daughters. His wife was spared. She was saved. But there he goes across the sea. And at that point, what does he write? A song. Mm. When peace like a river. Peace. Think about it. No matter what my lot is in life, I can have peace like a river. It comes my way. But when sorrows like sea billows roll. Think about that statement. He's over there. He sees where his, his daughters are gone. Sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, what? It is well. It is well with my soul. And why could he say that? Because he said, my sin, oh, the thought of this glorious, this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole. It's nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. It is well. It is well with my soul. Oh, hallelujah. If I could sing it, I'd sing it. So when peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea willows blow, guess what? Whatever my lot, no matter what comes my way, it is well with my soul because He lives, because He suffered, because He died, because He rose again, because He's alive and my daughters are with Him in glory and I will see them again. It is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Who else can inspire this amazing grace? How sweet the sound that saves someone like me. Who else can inspire a, 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 an artist to write a song that says there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath the flood will lose all their guilty stains. And you know what? I think it's so wonderful. I think it's so inexpressible. And I know it can't be articulated, but someone should write a song called Go Tell It on the Mountain. <laughs> Over the hills and everywhere. Tell what? Jesus Christ is born. Hallelujah. 
Oh, give him a praise offering, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Music, literature. And what about benevolent institutions and organizations? What about the influence he had in establishing hospitals around the world? And you think about the many. If you thought about the orphanages, let me tell you something right now. We, we see, we want to forget. We've got to teach our young people today what it was like back in the day. And back in the day, there were no orphanages. You know what people did when they did not want? There were no abortion clinics and centers and all that. You know what they did? They gave birth to their child and left them out in the woods for the animals to eat them. But where Christ came along, they established orphanages. And said, you don't want them, but we know people that do. We know people that do. So we have his influence as far as benevolent institutions and organizations today. And we thank God for his influence in our world. Can you say amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. Then what about uh, this? Women. Women. Because of his influence, you've been liberated. I can't imagine what women would be like in this generation if it were not for the teachings of the Golden Rule, the Sermon on the Mount, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, that all men are equal in the eyes of Jesus. And if you want to be somebody in the kingdom, be a servant to all. Love even your neighbor, love even your enemy. And he showed us how to do it. And he taught social equality. Amen. And it's because of his teachings. Not only have women been liberated from oppression, slaves have been liberated from slavery. And the list goes on and on. You take away the influence of Christ from our society, from civilization, and guess what? You've got deep darkness. You've got anarchy. You've got dictatorships. Go to these places where there was never any mention of Christ. You want to know why? Boy, I'm just going to take this for one moment. You want to know why the United States of America is where she is at today? You want to know why in 200 years we have passed 2,000 year old nations? You want to know why? Because Christianity came to this land and they brought the light of life with them. And Jesus made America great. Jesus is the reason behind all this that we enjoy in this land. He's the reason behind our prosperity and the victory that we have. All the insight that we have, the wisdom that we have, the knowledge that we have, the freedom that we have, all comes by the cross. That's why. And finally, if I can get this out, spiritually. Can you imagine the impact he has made spiritually for us? Well, are you ready for it? Number one, we're no longer in darkness. He said, he that follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Can you say with me that once I was lost, but now I'm found? Can you say with me, I was once blind, but now... I see. Were you like that man in his rocking chair by the fire reading the newspaper? Go ahead. You I don't believe in all that stuff and whatever. I don't really need this or that. Whatever. That God becoming a man stuff. But I'm telling you one day your eyes got open and when they were open you shouted from the mountaintops. Thank God I was blind but now I see. I've got the light of life. I can see clearly now why I need a savior. Why I need a redeemer. And I'm so glad that you came. Secondly, the Abraham 
Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic law has, they both have been fulfilled in Jesus. That's called amazing grace. You know why? The law was written to let you know and let me know you can't do it. I can't do it. It's impossible for any of us to do it. So he sent by his grace a savior, a redeemer who would take our place and do it for us. He fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. He fulfilled the Mosaic law. He didn't destroy it. He fulfilled it and gave us a law of love that if we live by, we too will fulfill the law. And so thank God he sent us our Savior. He sent us Jesus. And we're not without him in this world today. Number three, there is a gospel to preach. There is a gospel to believe in. And this gospel is powerful. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and to the Greek. But you know what? To the Jew. The gospel message is a stumbling block. But to the Greek, the Gentile, this gospel message is foolishness. But to him that believes, it's the power of God. It's the wisdom of Almighty God. And thank God that's what we're celebrating here today. The power of God, the wisdom of God, the glory of God manifested in a sin-sick soul that makes us whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Our Redeemer lives. And then number four, thank God there's a Savior. There's a Savior from sin. Jesus said, with man, it's impossible to be saved. But he came to save us from our sins. That's why he's called Jesus Christ, the anointed Messiah, Emmanuel, God that was with us to save us from our sins because we couldn't save ourselves. And so thank God we're living in a society in a realm right now where we do have a Savior and a Redeemer. And then number what, four, five, whatever we're at. Praise God. God and man has, has been re reconciled. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, I believe it is, we're told that he's the first from among the dead. And God chose to use him to reconcile us and all things to himself. Reconcile means to bring us back in harmony with God. Ever since the fall of man, we were out of harmony with God. But thanks be unto God, because of Jesus, we can be brought back into harmony with Him. And when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're brought back into reconciliation with God. And guess what? In His presence, we stand irreprovable. We stand, think about it, complete and whole and restored, unblameable before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. That's how He sees us right now, all because of Him. And if it were not for Him, there would be no reconciliation. Next one. Uh, there would be no access to the throne of God. I can't even begin to imagine. You and I enjoy the right and the benefit to say every single day of our lives, Father, I come before your throne in the name of Jesus. I present myself to you on this day, Father, in the name. You know, we, we enjoy that, don't we? But there was a time, praise God, when man could not say that, man could not do that. But thanks be unto God because of Jesus, we've been reconciled to God and we can approach the throne. How? By the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, by this new and living way that he has prepared for us. That is to say, through his, the veil of his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, we can draw nigh with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Next one, his blood paid our ransom. His blood paid our ransom. You see, without him, there is no blood. There would have been no blood. The blood of bulls and goats over the years. You know, I, I, I think some time ago I looked this up. Millions upon millions and millions of gallons of blood have been shed by animal. Animal blood has been shed. And guess what? Over all the years, all the millions of gallons of blood that were shed... None of it is qualified or equipped to save us from our sin. 
but praise God the Lamb of God came from the throne the Lamb of God robed himself in flesh the Lamb of God housed the very blood praise God the only blood that's the right blood type for every kindred tongue people and nation and on Calvary's cross he shed that blood for all mankind and now today whosoever will let him come because the blood will cleanse you from all your sin hallelujah if it were not for him death would not have been abolished but because of him death has been abolished Paul said it this way because of him Jesus, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to life to the gospel. So thank God. That means we have a revelation, an understanding now of life because of him. Death has been abolished. Death has been overcome. Death has been done away with. Death, where is your sting? V grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin right but Jesus dealt with the sin problem so he only gives us the victory and we have it through Jesus Christ our Lord oh praise God can you say amen to that so death praise God has been abolished and it's been defeated okay the works of the devil the works of the devil would not have been destroyed but because of Jesus the works of the devil have been destroyed why for this purpose was the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil and when he came with that purpose in mind that was his lofty goal that was his aspiration that was what his desire was that was what he came to do Christmas is not about receiving Christmas is about giving Think about that. He gave his only son. His son gave his life. And he had a mission in mind. He said, I am so tired of the devil and his bunch and the kingdom of darkness wreaking havoc in the lives of the people I created for myself. I will not tolerate it any longer. It doesn't matter who else I would send heaven. There's no one in heaven good enough to go. No angel can go. No archangel can go. No cherubim can go. No seraphim can go. So I will send my son. Son, will you go? I'll go, Father. I'll go I'll do it for you and Jesus came down from heaven above and walked upon this earth and he did for us what we could not do for ourselves praise God almighty man I don't know about you but I'm so glad that he did I know I don't want to get so enthusiastic on this day but I want you to know this the devil's been defeated the devil's been defeated his works have been destroyed don't walk around talking anymore like the devil's after me, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. I want you to walk around saying the devil's been defeated, the devil's been defeated, Jesus beat up the devil, praise God, the devil's been overcome, all his works have been overcome because Jesus was victorious over death, over hell, over the grave. Next one, the Spirit has been sent. You see, if Jesus didn't come, the Spirit would not have been sent. He said, I've got to go and prepare a place for you. And also when I get there, I am going to send the Holy Ghost and power into your life. And so he went and he sent the Holy Ghost. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. And praise God, when he did, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost and power from on high, spoke with other tongues and gifts talents and abilities were imparted to those people so that they can boldly proclaim the good news that Jesus is alive. And they went about doing all that. And then finally, oh, thank God, there's hope beyond the grave. I said there's hope beyond the grave. Do you have a loved one in glory? I know I do. Do you have a loved one in glory? You would not have a hope of ever seeing that loved one ever again if it were not for Jesus Christ being born on this earth. You would never see your father. You would never see your mother, your sibling, your, your relative, your wife, your spouse, whoever it is. You would never see that individual 
if it were not for Jesus. We've got something to shout about so loud this morning. If Jesus had never come, you would never. But thank God he came. I said, thank God he came. And there's hope beyond the grave. You want to know why there's hope beyond the grave? There's hope beyond the grave because of this child that was born. There's hope beyond the grave because the one that was born was the Lord of heaven. He was the word made flesh. He was the son of God, the son of man, the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. He was born into this world as our savior from sin, our healer of all disease, our deliverer from all that oppresses, praise God, or that holds us in captivity or bondage. I'm telling you, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's the bright, the morning star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the one that Herod could not kill. He is the one, praise God, the devil could not entice to sin. He's the one that opened up blind eyes, deaf ears, made the lame to walk and the blind to see. He's the one that rose victorious over death, over hell, over the grave. Because death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. Hell could not hold him back. Oh, he is a living one that spoke in the sea. The water obeyed him. The winds obeyed him. The dead came back to life again. Who is this child that we're talking about? We're talking about the son of the living God, the savior of the world. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Before I close, I've only got one more thing here. I want to read to you uh, from this article. Cynthia Pearl Mouse is her name. And she wrote this. And I just really I was impressed with it. It's called Christ and the Fine Arts. And this is a tribute that she gave to the Lord. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village and that a despised one. He worked in a carpenter's shop for 30 years. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never traveled, except in his infancy, more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. His executors gambled for the only piece of property he had on this earth, a seamless robe. And then, when he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave through the courtesy of a friend. 20 centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of all progress. I am well within my mark when I say that all the armies ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that have ever ruled together has never affected the life of man upon this earth like one solitary personality, the Lord Jesus Christ. All time dates from his birth. And it's impossible to understand or interpret the progress of human civilization in any nation on earth apart from his influence. Slowly through the ages, man is coming to realize that the greatest necessity in this world is not water, not iron, not gold, not food or clothing, but rather Christ enshrined in human hearts, thoughts, and motives. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? No one has affected human life as he did. He's not in the class of any other being ever, ever born on this planet. You realize that? No one. And when people sometimes today want to say, well, you know, he's just another religious leader. Oh, I beg your pardon. Jesus is wonderful for two main reasons. No one has affected or impacted human life like him in this world. And no one will ever as he did in this world before, during, or after our lives. And secondly, and most importantly, only he can offer 
eternal life to those who believe on him. Only he can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. That may be narrow-minded to some people, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternity. And wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. I'd rather have the straight and narrow than the wide and broad. How about you? Can you say amen? So why are we here this morning? Why are we gathered on this day to celebrate the most wonderful life ever lived? The person of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can we praise Him with uplifted hands this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, Healer, Baptizer with the Holy Ghost in fire. Hallelujah. You're coming again in clouds of glory. We honor you on this day. We honor you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.